0: Totally Football Show today: Manchester Derby. Loose Fred sees United's whole outfit unravel. City breaking on them like an egg hit by Cantona's wang, and now looking just as hard to beat. With United shell shocked, what's next for Solsha? And is that it for the Premier League title? With thoughts on all of that, plus Shane Long stats, flip reverse it, and so much more in this Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Hello listener, nice to be joining you. Today's football views coming filtered through the brains of Duncan Alexander. Hi James. Carl Anker. Good morning James. Good morning Carl. And Daniel Story. Good morning James. All four of us had exciting nights last night, but none quite as exciting as Carl Anker who after watching the Manchester Derby went to the cinema. I did.
1: I went to do the the uh, the pictures to watch Avengers Endgame.
0: It's really good. Um I'm going to not spoil it. <laughs> Excellent news. A good decision, Carl. What about the game that preceded it, the Manchester Derby? The, City- the end game. Very possibly. Well, a 2-0 win for Man City, despite the injuries, despite a spirited first half from the home side. City, though, looking a class above. Fair, Duncan?
2: Yeah, they sort of let Manchester United run themselves out in the first half like a kind of annoying dog a little bit. They just sort of waited and waited, and the second half just looked imperious. Really, I mean, people pointed out that Fernandinho went off injured, but they brought on Leroy Sané, who did really well. And I think they almost didn't need Fernandinho. It was almost they were so much better than United that you know right. could, could have probably started without him.
0: Carl, you're a United
2: fan. Just annoying dogs.
1: Yes. uh, Manchester United will frequently end up being humbled by true European super heavyweights because that's not their weight class anymore. Um, The strength of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer at the moment is that he can make a humbling not feel like a humbling yet. But these games, they are borderline humiliation. They are borderline an older sibling holding a younger sibling away at arm's length. Manchester United are a class away from Manchester City. Manchester City are... This Manchester City side is the culmination of 10 years... Of best practice and correct decisions whereas this Manchester United side is the culmination of five of lurching from disaster to extreme
0: over and over and over again. Oh dear. United did keep it tight for the first half and then shortly after the second half got underway Bernardo Silva's low drive caught David De Gea and Luke Shaw out. Daniel, Bernardo Silva.
3: Yes, he's named on the shortlist for for Player of the Year, which I really enjoyed. He, he is Pep Guardiola's representative on the pitch more than any other player, I think. I, I interviewed him in October and, and asked him why he thought that Guardiola was so effusive with his praise. And he just said, well, I, I just look after the ball. I, I constantly want the ball. I look after it. I recycle possession and I'm never afraid of receiving it. And that's true. He env- Two, three players. He embarrassed Paul Pogba well, at least once or twice uh, last night. And yeah, he is... He's, again, he's just a very clever signing for Manchester City. He's a signing that you can see where he fits immediately. You can see where he fits two or three years down the line. And that's everything that Manchester United haven't done.
0: Well, it's very easy to turn this into another post-mortem on United. But from a City point of view, a couple of players whose contribution not as obvious to folk like me. First of all, Zinchenko, 19 starts, 19 wins now for yeah, Manchester City. Yeah, that's
2: the Premier League record. Um, very good. You know, not even in his correct position as well. Um, I mean, just what as position a, was he actually playing? I was confused. It's that kind of Guardiola half fullback slash central midfielder sometimes okay. role, which is mm. yeah. He
1: yeah. was initially purchased as a centre midfielder um, and has been converted to a left back. Right in in the Philip Lahm and Bayern Munich esque sense of. Mm where he more or less kind of drops into to midfield when Matisse are in possession, which quite helps on their um, transitional ball. And he's, he's quite the player. He's also quite the character in the dressing room, by all accounts. Seems to, you know, has loads of jokes about how he's uncanny resemblance to Kevin De Bruyne.
0: Right. Mm. Playing him in, mid, in midfield might have that advantage as well of kind of spooking <laughs> the opposition to think that Kevin De Bruyne is actually <laughs> playing. Uh, Zinchenko with more tackles, and more interceptions than any other player uh, on Wednesday night. And all this for just £1.7 million, car.
1: This is good investment. This is what City do. How they've managed to do this is is remains to be questioned, and you can have your opinions on that. But what you have to understand is Manchester City got that large investment, and they went best practice. Who is the best top four um, contenders at the moment? Aston Villa. How are they doing it? Let's copy them. How do we break into top four? Who's bec- best practice for that? Arsenal. How do we do that? Let's copy them. Who is the best practice for best run club in Europe at the moment? Barcelona. How do we do it? Let's copy them. Ten years of planning. There you go.
2: Much like endgame. I mean, you said a minute ago, Carl, about five years of bad planning at United, but you could argue that it goes back a lot longer than that. And they basically Ferguson was so good that they, post Ronaldo being sold, they, you know, the the last two titles under Ferguson were pretty fortunate and down to his kind of genius, really. So it's kind of been a long time coming.
0: Seven defeats in their last nine, and the the two-nil scoreline suggests that this was yet more abject stuff from United, but. After that opening goal from Bernardo Silva, they they very nearly got an equaliser that might have changed the whole evening.
3: Yeah, Jesse Lingard should have scored at the back post, but then again, I think Raheem Sterling probably should have scored in the first half. And it did feel that there was a kind of there was a passing move immediately after the goal uh, where City played kind of one and two touch passing through midfield. Aguero ends up hitting the post, and it just that was just pure City. At that moment, you felt that if they really want to do this they will be able to. They will be able to play free-form football and they've actually stopped doing that a little bit recently. They've gone against Spurs, gone 1-0 up and kind of tightened the game up. It's what they did against, tried to do against Spurs in the home leg of the Champions League and, and flunked it. So it was nice to see them continuing to try and play football after going 1-0 up. But yeah, I think they were always at arm's length. What about De Gea, Carl? <laughs> uh,
1: as someone opined in my group chat, Manchester United have the same commitment to clean sheets as a first-year university student. De Gea looks spooked. I think there must be a message going around certain football scouts that if you shoot on sight before De Gea can get himself set up, you have a good chance. He's conceded quite a number of goals from outside the box and Bernardo Silva's goal, he shoots before you expect him to if you watch it and I think that, that got De Gea as well. Again, Leroy Sane has this very similar thing where he shoots almost a fraction of the second before De Gea can get set and do that long barrier style technique he does with his legs that helped him beat um, Spurs earlier in the season. He will come good. Whether or not he chooses to come good at Manchester United or another club Mm. remains to be seen.
0: What about the hair is also the title of uh, David Silver's autobiography, of course, (laughs) because that that bizarre transplant thing continues to. Unbelievably good. uh, Probably the best I've ever seen, Mm -hmm. yeah,
2: in terms of just, you know, luxuriousness. But it just doesn't look like his hair, whereas I'm I'm put
0: Zola's. Zola's looks like. Michael Vaughan as well. Yeah, Vaughn's is good
4: as well. Yeah.
2: Antonio Conte
1: has a, has a
2: very good uh, one. These
0: are all good ones because you can't see the joint. With David Silva, it looks like someone else's head <laughs> is residing on top of his...
2: Yeah, but he, he probably just wanted a change. If you're going to rebuild your hair, go something different, I'd say. I
0: suppose that's fair. <laughs> Peter Hatherley asks, Could it be that the new manager bounces ended and Oligana Gunnar Solskjaer is just the same bloke who failed at Cardiff? I was intrigued by Solskjaer's body language on Wednesday as United searched for a way back. He was sat, knees clenched, huddled next to Michael Carrick, talking in Carrick's ear while Carrick kind of gazed off into the middle distance. Not the kind of reactive... I'm not saying he should have been necessarily giving it the, the, the full Jurgen Klopp on the silo, but he didn't seem to be a man with lots of answers of
3: what to do next. I don't think he is a man with, with any answers, I, to be honest. I think he, he his short-term impact was really positive because... That's the guy he is, and that's the guy Manchester United needed at that point in time. But none of this stops with Solskjaer, and none of it stops with the players. It stops with the people above them. Um, If you go back, Manchester United have probably spent £500 million on players since they last bought a player in David de Gea, who has improved his reputation at Old Trafford. Wow. Everyone since then, I don't see any player. Luke Shaw, maybe. Uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, possibly given how we maybe saw him in England. But other than that, nobody. That doesn't suggest that a rookie manager is going to be able to come in and suddenly convert everything and make it right.
2: And also Solskjaer needs to sort of stop the incessant nostalgia. <laughs> I mean, he spent yesterday morning taking the players to the old training ground at the cliff. Mm. which
0: Might it have helped if he take them to a real cliff?
2: <laughs> Possibly, yeah, but... If you remember, and you probably don't, the Liverpool Cup Finals in 1996 pass the move, it's the Liverpool groove, in the first line references the boot room, and they were very much in their kind of like, oh let's look to the past, what, what made us special? Mm. But the point is that that was six years after Liverpool last won the league, and I think United are in the same spot now, where they're just sort of, you know, thrashing around. Straight out the boot room, to Wembley our second home, we come to conquer, no we never walk alone, we dominate. Of the crop, on our from the roar of the yeah. John Barnes's other rap. Yeah, the lesser the lesser known one. But I mean, you know, that song came out exactly six years after Liverpool last won the league. Right. The, the same time gap that United and Aaron. And it does does feel like United are in their, the same sort of position. Right, Solskjaer increasingly taking the rap for United's poor results. We'll
0: we'll have more moaning about Man U later on. But re the title race, is it over then? awaiting City before, between here and the end of the season, Burnley this weekend, and then Leicester, and then Brighton. City remember a team that have won their last 11 Premier League games, but a side that is also having to do without Kevin de Bruyne, who they missed certainly in the first half yesterday, uh, Fernandinho, Gunduan, who was the other player I was going to mention who, you know, was not that obvious but deserves praise, didn't look entirely 100% by the end of this game. And is there a chance as well that David Silva might be out of action after his karate kick on Andres Pereira? Mm.
3: Possibly, and that distinct lack of central midfielders might be the biggest worry for Guardiola now, Um Burnley will make things very tight in midfield and will sit deep, as United did actually in the first half last night. They basically played like a non-top six team against against City. Um, Fernandinho
1: be, will be a big miss for the Leicester City game. Mm. Leicester City, fantastic counter-attacking side. Right. Moved the ball up vertically very well. Jamie Vardy has a great record against the top six. Fernandinho's job is to snuff out those attacking transitions that Leicester are supposed to be very, very good at. And without him being a firefighter, it will be interesting to see what happens mm. next.
2: Yeah, I mean, a lot of Liverpool fans have been saying Burnley is the one, but I don't think so. I think Leicester is the is the one if there's going to be one. I mean, City narrative already
0: narrative-wise, we that would be Brendan Rodgers finally winning a title for Liverpool.
2: Yeah, right on then? the same weekend that Liverpool faced Rafa Benitez in some sort of weird Anfield boot room, straight out of the boot room in many ways. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think uh, I mean P- Burnley have already lost five nil twice to City this season, so yeah, this idea that they're going to just shut up shop um, and keep them out seems it's possible, but... but those and are possible. now safe as well, yeah. Burnley, so... Well, they're sure the... Dutch as grumpy as we'll probably come on too. so, <laughs> right. about their but it was, it,
0: Burnley fresh from that battling 2-2 draw at the bridge, uh, in, in which they look very impressive. They have beaten Spurs at Turf Moor. You know, stranger things have happened, not many. But I wonder, Duncan, is there a stat from Opta's treasure trove of numbers that might give Liverpool fans some hope?
2: Well, excluding teams to have won the Premier League themselves, Burnley have got the best win ratio against reigning champions. Um, it is 44%. So isn't So it
0: true that they've beaten the reigning Premier League champions each season for the last four campaigns?
2: That is true, yeah. Well, so, that's the stat then, isn't it? Well, I preferred my slightly <laughs> deeper one.
0: <laughs> 44% isn't encouraging. No, but last four seasons they've beaten the champions. That, now that is, yes. I'd also is.
3: hazard that City are significantly better than most of those other times. Well we have been
2: living through an era where the reigning champions every year have just collapsed, so, mm. yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, meanwhile, of course, Liverpool this weekend, well, on Friday night, will be at home to Huddersfield, so you'd expect three points there. As for Man United, well, they're now three points off the top four, but it could have been worse had it not been for Burnley's draw at the bridge and Arsenal's Wednesday night defeat at Wolves. United next will be facing Chelsea... Lose that game and they'll really be in trouble. What are their prospects like? We'll talk about
4: that after this. You're listening to the Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Hey, listener, are you in Denmark?
0: Thought so. If you've been enjoying what we've had to say but curious about what we look like, you can catch us on Danish Eurosport uh, giving our views on the Premier League run-in. Ooh, score. Sunday in Old Trafford. Man United hosting Chelsea key game for both teams top four hopes Daniel you're going to Old Trafford
3: I am indeed yeah uh, it feels significant for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer this in terms of his future job prospects if they lose by the same scoreline and produce the same a similar performance to the Everton performance shall we say and he gets no the effort that they at least produced on Wednesday night is then taken as a kind of an island in itself just because they were playing Manchester City, then he's in big trouble because they will not finish in the top four if they lose against Chelsea at the weekend. Chelsea have been wretched against uh, away at top six opponents this season. Uh, they've been really bad in kind of the, the, the early stages of second half, which suggests that their concentration is to, is gone to pot. Mm. So if Solskjaer cannot demand something more against Chelsea at home, then, yeah, then he deserves to be in plenty of trouble because... There's no point, I mean, there's no point him staying anyway if there's no change structurally at the club. But there's no point keeping faith with a manager that, you, that very quickly everyone has lost faith in. And I, I already know that some supporters have. Mm.
0: Chelsea's performance coming into this game against Burnley? They were, Chelsea were really frustrated so much so that their manager got sent off in the, the dying minutes uh, by the second half. Is it going to be similarly ugly scenes? And who will be? Will he be on the touchline at Old Trafford on Sunday? Um,
2: I think so I think manager suspensions don't come in straight away do they they tend to take a little while while All they right. mull up I mean it would be good remember when Arsene Wenger ended up in sent off at Old Trafford and was basically in with the fans Um he stood on a stage of his own wasn't he yeah good content but um, <laughs> yeah I mean Chelsea weren't great against Burnley but I, be, I thought it was more interesting. Sean Dyche was quite bristly after the match, um, saying that, because um, Chelsea basically accused Burnley of anti-football, and, you know, they were taking their time with goal kicks and and things, but um, Dyche said, well, I don't have the budget to pay play sort of passing football, which, <laughs> my, when you think... My budget only stretches 45 minutes. Yeah. If you think, um, when Swansea came up in 2011-12, they had the third best possession rate in the league. You know, ahead of or level with Manchester City at the time, and ahead of Chelsea. So the idea that that budget informs how you play football doesn't really add up.
0: Fair enough. Chelsea losing uh, Callum Hudson-Odoi to a ruptured Achilles' heel. So possibly, the, 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 sorry. Dan.
2: Yeah, I didn't think enough was made of that injury because that's like a really serious injury. Yeah, yeah a lot of players. So. Yeah, a lot of players would never come back from that. I mean, I think obviously medical care now is better but you think about Neil Webb never really came back John Barnes had it and lost Mm. a lot of pace you know it could be a pretty serious injury well
0: fingers crossed for him Uh, Hazard who they may soon be losing as well in less dramatic fashion again looking sensational
3: yes he is in that stage where we're not quite sure if he's playing for Chelsea or playing for a move but he is the player who is more dominant on his side's attack than any other player in the Premier League Okay, Uh, even more than Salomon Rondon even more than Jamie Vardy Um, it is Hazard FC uh, to coin a Pep Guardiola phrase. Uh, and, yeah, if, if he performs, they perform. If he doesn't, then they don't. Will he perform at Old Trafford on Sunday, Daniel? Yeah, he's got incentive to, for sure. And if they can... It's, it'll be strange one in that Chelsea have preferred away from home at the top six to kind of play almost reactive football, try and play on the counter a bit. But that's exactly what Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has asked Manchester United to do in the same game. So it'll be an interesting to see who kind of players on the front foot. I, I guess the onus is on Solskjaer having not scored in three games, but right. it will be interesting to see.
0: Yeah, we mentioned, I think, on, on Monday, the fact that United's good results, when they've come, have all come against teams who've had, who've basically dominated possession. Mm-hmm. But that's not how... Sadie well, Chelsea,
3: Chelsea have generally have... Have done that. They've completed almost as many passes, Duncan will know, uh, as Manchester City, which was unheard of in given last season's domination with City with the ball. Um, but they've almost matched that. Obviously, Jorginho coming in has helped. But away from home against the top six, they've not really been able to do that. It's been kind of just this sort of mush where they half do that, but end up conceding goals because they're defensively weak and not really being anything. So, Sari needs to come up with something else to get away at a top six club, because it's not working so far. They okay. had that
2: spell, didn't they, after they Went 1 0 down to Liverpool a few weeks ago, where they basically played brilliantly for five or yes. ten minutes and, and should have equalised and didn't, and then just kind of fell away again. So mm. they kind of need to find that form and do something with it.
0: Two sides have met already twice this season. It was 2 2 in the league at the bridge, and United beat Chelsea 2 0 in the FA Cup, Carl, but that was back when they scored goals. Do you remember those days? No, not really. <laughs> it, it, it's been a long time. The, la- the last,
1: I think, Scott McTominay, the last time he scored an open play. In April, um, it's very odd how when the team sheet was announced against uh, Manchester City, I was genuinely going, where is Scott Metomino? Which shows <laughs> it, which shows the very bizarre nature of the squad at Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's disposal. Um, no one quite knows who is the leader and who's doing what. I, th- I found it very interesting that on Sky Sports... I think it was Sunas was saying young players like the 26-year-old Jesse Lingard need to look up to older players in the squad like the 26, Paul Pogba.
0: Yeah, yeah, Paul Pogba, who hasn't scored anything but a penalty since February. Marcus Rashford's last goal was in March. Jesse Lingard's last strike was in January. In hindsight,
1: it's very interesting to see the drop-off after the warm-weather training they did prior to the Liverpool game. Solskjaer's initial bounce was in part due to feeling coming in and then becoming more of a pressing side so mm. their pressing figures went up you can't go from a team that didn't press which United didn't do on the marina, to a team that wants to press with a level of a top six intensity without a proper preseason or mid-season break they've tried to cram all of that into to two or three days during an international break and then against Liverpool they had what six soft tissue injuries and now no, none of those players at the same Marcus Rashford has not been the same um, Jesse Lingard was injured came back, got injured again and has looked the shadow of the player he was in January. Major failings on everyone at Manchester United. Daniel and Duncan
3: are passing a note no, no, between no. themselves. Just <laughs> incredible news that Sven-Goran Eriksson is apparently close to getting the Scotland job. Right, Absolutely wonderful for everyone involved.
0: That's a, that that is
3: remarkable news.
0: sven and Eriksson, currently out of work, I think, after his previous job as national team manager of the Philippines... Uh, worked out less well than expected, or po- possibly more or less as expected. But anyway, Scotland,
3: yeah. that's... I mean, it would be interesting, which if they, would, they were reportedly going to go for David Moyes, which would be decidedly less interesting for the neutral, although would make a lot more sense for, for actual Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yes, it will be good value. Beyond the Philippines, has he got much experience with national teams? Yeah, he, that's become his thing now, either managing a club side in Asia or a, national t- a slightly lesser-known national team, um, or maybe, should we say, less expected national team for him to manage. Like for. Scotland? I yeah, mean, like, like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But the t- the ideal for him is the two-year contract, but out after six to nine months, and that's perfect. Right.
0: Wow. Thanks for that news bomb. Uh, hey, Carl, after that lengthy chat, are you feeling any more positive about United? Absolutely not. I, I, what was Damien doing for the second goal? <laughs> I thought Fred was
1: particularly... Oh yeah, Could, that's we, so, we, we had, haven't mentioned. We had Fred a yet. very interesting. Uh, so I was watching this in um, in uh, a pub in Islington, and there was a very interesting split from United fans yelling at Fred for losing possession mm. to United fans going, "What on earth is Damien doing?" Um, if you it's sort of applying second pressure and being massively dragged out of position right. from one, why is he starting? Uh, why are you starting a right back who hasn't played a game since Mourinho was in charge? On, on a back three when the back three experiment doesn't work for Manchester United two why are you being dragged into a central position you could almost see Leroy Sa- um, Raheem Sterling's eyes mm. like oh he's going to give me all that space fine yeah.
0: <laughs> it was but it was a, a remarkably well executed move by, by, by City Sterling receives the ball and Aguero's move to just drag
2: like a calamite it's almost like they practice these things on the training grounds.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. to drag everybody onto the other side of the field leaving Leroy Sané Hello. Uh, They're all on his own. And, uh, yeah. Uh, All right, well, you know what? Uh, The top four race this week described as a drunken pub brawl with flying fists and swaying bodies. We'll hear by whom and why after this. In case you hadn't noticed, Man United and Chelsea's seasons have been a bit hmm, up and down. New managers, winning streaks, losing streaks Optimism, calls for sackings They've been about as consistent as a post-dodgy curry intestine Or as steady as a jelly shed But at Paddy Power, we're all about forgiving mistakes So we're offering money back as a free bet on losing bets If Man United beat Chelsea on Sunday Paddy Power, home of the money back special Selected Marcus only applies to first bet on all losing goalscorer Correct score
4: and waters. Paddy bets on the match Actually fund £10 as a free bet Teas and C's 18+, plus. On Spotify, smart speaker and podcast platforms everywhere, this is the Totally Football Show from Muddy Knees Media.
0: Yeah, Man United, six points from their last six league games, failing to score in three of them. Arsenal have now lost consecutive matches against non-top six teams. Chelsea have only won three of their last seven and their managers getting booed. They're all still in the mix, though those three teams for a place in the top four alongside Spurs whose point win rather against Brighton may well have secured their Champions League status. Wolves beating Arsenal midweek. No big surprise here because it was Wolves against top six side and Arsenal against well anybody outside the Emirates.
3: Yeah, Arsenal losing at Wolves I didn't realise quite how bad their away form was. They've kept two away league clean sheets since December 2017, which is absolutely mad. I'm to say that again. So two league clean sheets away from the Emirates right. since December 2017. Good Lord. So that was Huddersfield away in May, right. last May, May 2018, and Watford the other game when they patently didn't deserve to win the game and only did because they were playing 10 men. Right. Um, they've been wretched, and, and it's not a problem, it should be said, that Unai emory has caused, it's a problem that he's failed to solve and he's also having to solve it with a significantly lower transfer budget than some of the managers around him Mm. but it still needs solving if Arsenal are going to move forward.
0: And yet they're still in with a chance, one point behind Chelsea at the moment, just outside the top four United three points uh, off the Champions League positions, Chelsea themselves three points behind Spurs. Let's talk a little bit Duncan about Wolves Arsenal. I know you're excited about Ruben Neves and his fantastic free kick.
2: Yeah it's a really good goal and it means now he's got more goals this season than he's had touches in the opposition penalty box which right. is impressive. Um, as some people pointed out to me on Twitter that's because he shoots from long range and yes that is essentially why but um, two of his three touches in the box uh, have been penalties which he's put away. So. Okay nice. Um, But yeah, and and also Wolves are the first newly promoted team in the Premier League to get 50 points or reach 50 points since Birmingham and the glory Alex McLeish days. So, Mm. I mean, everyone tipped them for seventh in the summer and they look like they're going to do it.
0: Wolves this weekend have uh, that seventh place playoff with Watford in a repeat of their FA Cup semi-final, of course. Arsenal are away again, this time at Leicester. This is going to be midday on Sunday... Leicester, of course, another of the teams vying for seventh spot. And there's been loads of goals uh, between these two teams in recent meetings. What are Unai Emery's chances of, do you think, resolving Arsenal's uh, on-the-road record in this game?
3: Uh, Not until he is able to invest in central defenders. He did an admirable job of defending Shkodran Mustafi after the Crystal Palace defeat. But if that was anything other than just protecting his value to move him on in the summer then he's making a grave mistake because he's just simply not good enough and it sounds harsh to be so vitriolic almost in the criticism of one person but this isn't a kids sports day where everyone wins a prize this is the top end of the Premier League he needs to be be better they need better than him I cannot fathom why they spent 34 million pounds on a player who didn't really seem good enough before and certainly hasn't since joining
0: yikes Spurs car are they now secure of their top four status
1: Yes, I would imagine so. Spurs being Spurs, there's always the possibility they're going to Spurs it, right? But it seems it seems fine. Uh, uh,
2: I think Spurs is now
0: um, the f- four points clear of, of, of fifth. Presumably, um, the
2: food hygiene rating at the new ground is five stars because it's brand new as well. So right, so lovely. that lasagna issue you're worried yeah. about. Yeah. Okay, um,
0: they've got West. They've got ham to worry about well, this weekend. Yeah. West
2: ham. ham is pretty long lasting. Generally, that's true. Yeah.
0: Spurs, of course, coming uh, fresh from a narrow win against Brighton on Tuesday. Were you able to enjoy this one, Carl? I
2: was. I made
1: very strange noises when Christian Eriksen scored. I, I I've been a big fan of the Danishman. Okay. S- since. His Ajax days. Uh, there's a fantastic exhibit in the Ajax Museum when he was a player that just said, Chris Erickson, date he joined, hyphen question marks, because they always This man is far too good to be here. He will leave one day. One of the best lock pickers in the Premier League, um, should be in PFA shortlists. I, truly, Barcelona me- messed up when they bought Coutinho over him.
0: And he resolved the issue here for Spurs against a Brighton team that were on the verge of pulling off their second straight surprise away clean sheet. Mm. Heartbreaking for Chris Hooten's men, who probably still are safe anyway because they have a three-point lead over, uh, uh, over Cardiff. Um, uh, intrigued as well to see an appearance from Vincent Janssen in this game. Yes,
2: yeah, Spurs towards the end of the game had a, a front two of Fernando Lorente and Vincent Janssen, which is definitely end of season scraping the barrel, but then they're also in the Champions League semi-final, so it is a very odd season for Tottenham. As someone tweeted this week, I didn't think I'd be saying at the start of the season, I hope Musa sosoko's Sissoko's fit for the Champions League semi-final. And Harry winks too. Yeah.
0: yeah. Vincent, answer, will he start against West Ham at half past 12 Saturday
3: afternoon? I wouldn't have thought so. Um, he will start the moment they are mathematically in the top four, I think, but I suspect they'll go for... Uh, they might rest sun, but I suspect they'll start with Rente and Moore and Son as a front three. Oh okay. well, Son's
2: suspended, isn't he, as well for the Champions League? Of course. Yes. So they'll probably. How, how do long that
0: again? is it since Jansen last appeared in a Premier League game?
2: It was. A lot, we, he made one appearance last season, and he's made one appearance this season. Right. So the record actually is a guy for Arsenal called Gavin McGowan in the nineties, who made one appearance in four successive seasons. Jesus. He's now a PE teacher. So hope he hope he tells the kids that.
0: <laughs> Winston, in terms of players who were on a club's books but never appeared. Winston Bohadi was kind of the... Uh,
3: Well, Matos Delac at Chelsea Mm, is a a good one in that he he became their longest-serving player uh, at some point last season after John Terry had left, but had never played a game for them in the Premier League. I actually tweeted this and was then blocked by him on Twitter for doing (laughs) so. Uh, But he's now left, so who's a real winner?
0: Uh, Spurs have beaten the Hammers twice at the London Stadium already this season.
3: It was good to see West Ham fans last weekend chanting about the new claret carpet around the pitch brought in by um, the owners. And what does they mean, chant? We've got carpet, claret carpet. I just don't think you understand. It came with a man right. in his transit van. van we've got yeah. a claret carpet. So, I mean, probably C for effort and achievement. I see. <laughs> I'd have thought. Okay. Um,
0: I, I was going to ask about the last time West Ham won at In this locale, well, sort of the old White Hart Lane. It was 2013. Can you name any of you the three players who scored? 3-0 victory for West Ham. Who were the three players who scored for the Hammers? Ravel Morrison.
3: Carl's got one already. With a fantastic... Who remembers?
1: uh, Straight down the middle run.
3: Uh Uh, I mean, we're not meant to I want to say Winston um. Reid. Go ahead and say it, Carl. (laughs) Two for two. I love it if you just gone
0: wrong
3: um oh my word
0: (laughs) slam duncan Mm. nice anyway Mm. yes 3-0 for the hammers this weekend daniel no okay all Mm. right uh mention brighton and their prospects they've got newcastle at home we'll talk about that later on uh but in a second or two hey let's have a little look at who's going to be coming up from the championship now listeners do you fancy sounding smarter How about reading The Economist? You might think The Economist only concerns itself with economics and finance, but you'd be wrong. It covers loads of topics across politics, business, science, technology, the arts and the environment. There's even a bit of sport in there too. For example, producer Ben this week loved the article explaining what WrestleMania says about Donald Trump and the American electorate. I, meanwhile... Was busy reading about the history of Notre Dame Cathedral and how carbon fibre is replacing steel and aluminium in factories around the world. Yeah. The Economist is the smart guide to the forces changing your world. So if you're the sort of person who never stops asking questions, are you? Then get your free copy by texting the word football to 78070. That's football to 78070. Big night of action in the Football League. The Championship Monday, Easter. Monday mm. evening, which saw Aston Villa winning their 10th game in a row. That's a club record. Mm-hmm. They beat Millwall 1-0. Millwall probably safe though because Rotherham also lost. Uh, Aston Villa this weekend, Daniel, will be trying to make it 11 consecutive victories. Who are they facing?
3: <sighs> yeah. Marcelo facing, Yeah, they're facing Leeds. Leeds who are semi-broken now. Are the, they? The, yeah, the sight of the players on the pitch. I mean, they are in that Sheffield United only need three more points because of the goal difference, and they play uh, Ipswich at home. So they will win that, and that will be Ipswich Ipswich are now
0: down. Yes. Yeah.
3: And you looked at the players broken on the Griffin Park pitch, and uh, it like gave it the game away, really. Stomach. It was interesting to... Uh, see the social media team from Leeds on Tuesday morning kind of giving these big call to arms, if we go again, we can still do it. And you think, yeah, we saw the players on the pitch. They were crying, actually crying.
0: They spent, what, 32 weeks inside the top two the automatic promotion places, but now they've dropped out. And is this... You would look at this and go, so it's Bielsa Burnout. Is that
3: what's happened? Yeah, it is to an extent, but it's not his fault because you can't appreciate... The quality of Leeds' squad is nowhere near good enough for the top two, so you can't say, "Oh, it's burnout now," but also ignore the fact that the only reason they are up there in the first place is because of his football, which instigates a burnout. The problem is, is that Leeds didn't back him in January. I think, they... well, the thing,
2: the big thing was they didn't sign Daniel James yeah. from Swansea. If they'd have got that across the line, that... but
3: even I mean, even a central midfielder, and the, the, the only player they signed in in January was a was a goalkeeper, and it was patently obvious that. The players were going to be tired by the end of the season because they're a young squad and they're, it's a thin squad.
1: Mm. They need they need strikers. They need someone to put away goals. I think they can, their conversion record is, is something like bottom half. Yeah,
2: yeah, they, they had f- the-
3: more than fifty shots against Brentford and Wigan and yeah, 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 yeah. Mm.
1: like something like sixteenth in the table for goal conversion and. It, it is worrying I've, I've yet to meet a Leeds fan who is confident about the playoffs they're all going oh that that's it we're finished right
0: well they're currently three points behind Sheffield United who are in second with two games to play Blades have a much better goal difference and Leeds as we say taking on the on fire Aston Villa is that where is that is that at Villa Park or is that in Leeds I think that's at Leeds. All right, never an easy place to go unless you're the Totally Football Live crew, eh,
2: Duncan? We <laughs> yeah, a we, we were more positive about Leeds when we were there, weren't we? Yeah. Odd.
0: All right, well, there'll be more chat about the championship in the Totally Football League show. As for the Premier League, the the two teams that are currently battling over the third relegation spot, Brighton hosting Newcastle, so an interesting game that for Chris Hughton against the club that fired him, Cardiff up against, well, visiting a Fulham side that's gone on one... Back-to-back football matches. Now, previously, you might have thought this is where Cardiff could peg back three points on on the Seagulls, but I'm not sure. How do you see the weekend going, Duncan?
2: Um, I think this game is key for a number of reasons. I think it's also got quite a big effect on the title race as well, because if Cardiff win and stay in the relegation battle, that right. means Brighton, who play Man City on the last day, will probably have to do something in that game. Will so... that make any difference? Possibly not, but you never know. So I think for the for both the relegation battle and the title race, we could do with Cardiff going to Fulham and, and winning. Right, okay, but it's a
0: Fulham team that has posted back to back victories, Carl. It's mighty impressive, and and it, I hope Scott Parker does get his
1: his time in, in the Championship to to declutter and deweed the oddity of this Fulham side. I think it was you, Daniel, who opined years ago the last when Felix McGarth took Fulham down that Fulham squad was too weird. Um, And that's why they got relegated and they did the same mistake over this time. They
3: went weird. Mm. You don't go too weird. No, in exactly the same way, Chris Hutton over the last couple of games has made Brighton non-weird again. In the 0-0 draw at Wolves, he picked an entire 11 of players who had played for the club in the previous season. None of the nine summer signings played in the game. Right. Uh he's just made he's gone back to basics with Duffy and Dunk as the whereas, stars. And...
0: Uh, whereas then when they when they went to Spurs they had a front three of Andoni, Locardia and Yaakembash. But I think they That's only weird then isn't it? Well,
3: yeah, but I think they only did that because they, they had a game but they only did that because they had a game three days later and they realized that the Newcastle game was bigger.
2: The, oh, the, right. the Spurs one was a kind we'll of shot to the, nothing. We'll, yeah in but they've also gone back to the basics in the sense that they no longer scored goals. <laughs> um, yeah. They've gone seven without a goal, which is club record. They can go seven in the Premier League without a goal, which would be a league record for Brighton, and only Palace have ever gone on a longer goalless run than, the than Brighton. De boer? Well, Brighton have done, uh, sorry. Is that the De Boer run? Palace have done it twice. They did eight under the Allardyce-De boer Hodgson trio, which is impressive in eight games. Mm. Um, and they did nine under Alan Smith in 94-95. Oh. <laughs> uh,
0: a couple of other games coming up this weekend, which have some interesting points about them. Liverpool hosting Huddersfield on Friday. Carl, um, did you see Mo Salah on the cover of Time magazine? I did.
1: I, I saw him with, with various other globally important persons.
0: Mo Salah is... Was... Did they do loads... Because this is for their 100 most influential people issue. Did they, did they do multiple covers? Yes, there's a cover with The Rock on it. The Rock. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. <laughs> is so... he number one?
3: Is he... Is he inf- have I missed, like, five he's, years he's, of
1: life? Is he influential? He's, he's, he? he's the highest, one of the highest-grossing actors. He was good in Moana. And he's spectacular in Moana. Yeah, one of the highest-grossing uh, men in Hollywood at the moment. It's he's like about to release... he for five he's, years. He's about to release a very. what's going to be a very, very lucrative band of uh, tequila as well.
0: Is that right? Mm. The Rock. If you had to pick one Rock movie to watch for Daniel, who's not been keeping up with The Rock's up. output, what would it be? A Fast and Furious 5. Would you? Yeah. I mean, gleeful, gleeful
1: stupidity. I don't think you
3: San can watch that. Without
0: seeing the first four. No, 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 no. Were you to watch the first four, there's no way no, you would no. watch five. No,
1: five, five is the, is, the, is the fantastic soft reboot of the entire series.
0: Five, that's the one where they go to Rio, isn't it? Yes, yes. That that is of, of any of them. That's the one that is least like putting knitting needles through your eyeballs. Um, okay. By by, but in every way possible, avoid watching the oh, last one A lot of choice one. in world With cinema. The, to, yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa! I'm but not going to have
1: Fast San, and Furious slander
3: on
0: this San podcast. Andreas, that's terrific. And by all accounts, fighting with my family. Have you seen that yet? Oh, girl? yes,
3: yes. Very, there you go. Very he's, sweet. He's, in that. he's playing himself in that, isn't he? Yeah, but that's yeah. Essentially I'm still, I'm still thing. struggling with the role. Interesting.
1: Whoa, whoa, whoa. Damn. Wow. He's going to go But yes, Mo Salah. <laughs> Brave <laughs> man when you're sat. Mo Salah. The of the uh, uh, <laughs> Mo Salah, very, very good player I want to talk, if I have a little time, to talk about the, the accusation that Mohamed Salah is a diver. What? Um So there has been a lot of conversation, uh, uh, some Twitter conversation and some video clips as if Mo Salah is like, he's not what he is is not good at falling down which is not the same at being a diver Mohamed Salah is fouled a disproportionate amount of time mm-hmm. because he is a blue chip player in the Premier League and attacks that very lucrative space on the inside like left half space of the of the penny he gets he gets fouled a lot it's well within his rights to fall down how he falls down is quite bad he does a sort of seat belt jerking back motion where he flings his arm forward and it doesn't quite look authentic which leads to the accusation that he is falling down oddly
2: okay the cut if i'm being a classic example he was molested for about a minute um but then he fell in quite an awkward manner. So yes. it gives you know, grist to the mill of why has he gone down like oh, that? His,
0: his form is, is, I mean, when he's on his feet still, it's got wildly better. and Because he had a holiday, people are pointing out.
2: Taken in isolation, this season has been a really good season for Salah. Mm. I mean, he's got 19 goals, he's got a lot of assists, he's near, near the top of expected goals, expected assists. He's been very effective. Um, yet, compared to last season, not quite as good. But this kind of like he's been bad narrative is. is not good. I'll
0: right, tell you who wasn't saying he's been bad is
2: John Oliver,
0: who actually wrote the profile of him for Time magazine. Uh, here's a quote. Mo Salah is a better human being than he is a football player, and he's one of the best football players in the world. Nice line that from, from John Oliver.
2: Uh, is John Oliver a big football fan? Do we know? I think
0: he's a big Liverpool fan, yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, Liverpool will be uh, appearing against Huddersfield this Friday evening. Watford hosting Wolves. They had a thrilling clash with Saints on Tuesday. I can't believe we got this far into the podcast without mentioning, because it featured so many delights. Uh, the fastest ever Premier League goal, John Barnes doing karaoke at half-time, and then Andre Gray getting an equaliser in stoppage time. A lot of questions here. First of all, what did
2: John Barnes sing? It, I'm not sure which house and John sang it was, but my friend who supports Watford sent me Oh, he did Rocket Man, apparently. Uh, Okay, there we go. I mean, he should have done Pass and Move as the Liverpool Groove, really. (laughs) Right, as as one of his seminal hits, but he didn't.
0: Uh, Yeah. So that was one question. The other one is Duncan. Could you give us your Shane Long stats? Because you had a great Shane Long stat before, which was that he
2: is three inches shorter than Craig Short,
0: which is yeah. Carl, your face says everything. (laughs) It's almost no, it doesn't matter, (laughs) (laughs) but there's an even better Shane Long stack. Well, he did
2: something that people actually care about in scoring a goal uh, after 7.69 seconds, which shattered shattered Ledley King's Premier League record.
0: So, from and the impressive thing, as you mentioned, Daniel, is that it was actually Watford's
3: kickoff, yeah. But that's it's that's Shane Long, isn't it? The standard Shane Long image is not just. Missing chances, but also herring full pelt yeah. at a defender to try and get in the way. If you're a
2: defense. manager and you want a player to run at the start of a game, yeah. Shane Long is your man. And and the the planets aligned, and he was one on one with. I ben do Huster. like.
3: I do. I am glad that he is now fam- more famous for scoring a goal than being famous for not scoring goals, which he was until, mm. probably until.
2: Yeah, he's, he's actually been really good the last month. I mean, when Southampton played Liverpool at St Mary's, he was brilliant that night. He sc- mm. scored their goal and, um, yeah, I mean, he, it's one of these things, he will now, I mean, I'm, It's very unlikely I mean I said earlier this season That no one would ever beat Deadly King's record So that didn't last But it's very unlikely That anyone will will beat Shane Long's record The
3: only way you beat that now Really is The shooting from kickoff. So yeah Josh
2: Murphy at Cardiff Shot from kickoff Away at Spurs this season Mm. um, Which is the quickest shot Of the season Obviously But um, that's obviously A lot harder to do So Yeah And here's one more thing About early goals Yes Lionel Messi Yes Scores lots of goals He's never scored in the first Or second minute in his career too yeah. easy for him, isn't
3: it? Well, he has that thing now. He never will, because yeah. he has that thing now where he takes the first five minutes of the game off to size up his opponents, which yes. is delicious. Lazy.
0: <laughs> Shane Long scoring in the opening seven seconds and Andre Gray scoring in which minute? It was the 90th minute. OK, so people were asking, was that the longest gap, the most you know, the, the most spaced out goals in Premier League history?
2: Uh, we've only got exact times since 2006, but in that period, Marouane Shemak, away at Wolves or Arsenal, aptly, given this week, um, scored after 37 seconds and then scored again in the 94th OK,
0: minute. so that was nice because that was him getting both goals. Dovetailing. Nice. Anyway, Watford hosting Wolves this weekend. The other team involved in the race for 7th place are, of course, Everton, who are going to be at Crystal Palace. I bet Marco Silva would love to finish in 7th place ahead of Watford.
3: The race for the top seven is brilliant because each of the managers have a reason for wanting it. Wolves yeah. and Watford want something to hang their season on. Um, Brendan Rodgers would love to bring European football ahead of his first full season in charge. And, and as you rightly say, Marco Silva kind of needs that Philip because there have been doubt serious doubts about him this season at points in time. The Everton are one of... They've turned into West Ham in that they play brilliantly one week and then throw in a dismal... They lost 2-0 at Fulham last away game. So they need... Uh, to put a little run together and yeah they can still finish you know Wolves and Watford draw and Everton win suddenly they're seventh so mm.
0: tough to game them. for them though away at Selhurst Park against the Palace team that's what did they do last weekend something good wasn't it they won it? at Arsenal, Arsenal. But, they, Arsenal. But, they, but I think
2: the, the key word in that sentence is, is at because they're a lot better away from home right. than they are at
3: home have they got the best record in Premier League history in terms of
2: away versus home the as proportion of points yeah they've got three of the top five so it's like it's not just a this season thing, it's yeah. a historical thing.
0: Okay. On the subject of palace, Daniel, I'm sure you saw Wayne Hennessy uh, Indeed. uh it was nice to see him getting cleared of any unpleasantness.
3: Well, yeah it was, it was interesting. I mean I, I originally tweeted that that photo. Um, you you started all this off. Yes. And then, So it was a
0: photo of him basically.
3: On a night out, photo taken by a waiter, posted by Max Meyer presume Max Meyer's phone, uh who is German mm. and he was he was he has been deemed that he was calling over a waiter by putting his hand over his mouth and raising his hand. With
0: him. a finger under his nose yeah, to simulate Nazi a salute. moustache.
3: Interestingly, the defence the defense that worked was that um, he claimed, or his lawyer claimed, he had no knowledge of Hitler, no right. knowledge of a Nazi salute, and no very little knowledge of the Second World War, which is right. interesting because... Four years ago, he tweeted and put an Instagram post in which he had gone to visit First World War graves uh, and paying his respects. So, was it your tweet? Yeah, just yeah. So it's interesting that a man can take so much interest in the First World War, but
2: completely bin off the the second series. Right. Well, a lot of people haven't seen Fast and Furious Five, so (laughs) yeah,
3: (laughs) that's very true. Nice flippant touch
2: there.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it yeah. does seem extraordinary that 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 the FA have cleared him on this.
3: Yeah, I mean, it should be said that, they, that he was cleared because they could not prove that he knew what a Nazi salute was. So it was Do they
0: need to? I thought in sporting justice, there's no burden of proof.
3: Well, I I would suggest that the fact that he re- has retweeted, you know, on Poppy Day before, and he's retweeted been to the First war, World War graves would suggest to me that he has heard of the Nazi Party. Um, but that's not our place to okay. say.
4: You're listening to the Totally Football Show. Sponsors of Melchester Rovers. Find out more at roytheroversofficial. dot com. Speaking of Nazis, I'm going to tell you who has heard of? Oh God, yeah, the
0: Lazio's fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, this was absolutely miserable. They they had a big this... game, Coppa Italia semi final this this Wednesday night, and ahead of that, was a video that. Oh, that got yeah. quite widely circulated of the Irreducibili, the, uh, the kind of hardcore ultras of Lazio, in a place called Piazzale Lore- Loreto, which is kind of s- historically quite significant, um, all lining up with a big banner saying, Honour to Benito Mussolini. And they they, they kind of drill and, and kind of mm. act in a vaguely sort of like... Military fashion and uh, the question is what's what's going to be done about this because then they go to the San Siro and the, the team perform well. Joaquin Correa with a good breakaway goal which puts them into uh, the Coppa Italia final Lazio but the, the fans are chanting stuff, they've got inflatable bananas and then just to really underline the point, there's film of them outside San Siro singing Yoko, this banana's for you. So they've effectively thrown down the gauntlet. They could not do... They're not doing a Hennessy and saying, we have no idea of any connection. That's it,
3: and and it's almost taunting the Italian football authorities to Mm. say, take this seriously. It's almost as if the fact that the punishments are so pitifully small they almost take offence to that. They almost think, well, maybe our racism isn't strong enough. Maybe we need to make it more obvious that this is what we're doing, which is I, I, I think it speaks to this general climate of emboldening that people yes. are
0: seeing, you know, everything from politicians naming their groups ground wizards to, you know, without being flippant. it, it all it, It's all moving in the, the it, same direction. And Piazza del Loreto, which was, it's significant. It's the place where the, the Gestapo executed 15 Italian partisans famously uh, during the Second World War, um, and then later where mussolini's body was uh, was hung up upside down after his summary execution uh, anyway yeah we well, we wait to see what will be done because not a great track record in italy as in, as in other nations the Cagliari, you remember the the the, the Cagliari storm about a month ago and and they basically said well suspended sentence while we while we do some more investigations into this yeah oh uh, in the other semi final by the way Atalanta will be taking on Fiorentina this evening. Atalanta, who may well be in the Champions League next season, they had a huge away win Monday night in Naples, which has put them level on points, but behind on head-to-head with Milan. Milan are in shocking form right now, so could well be seeing the Bergamaschi, one of the most exciting teams in Italy, in the Champions is League.
3: That, is is Atalanta a, a good, good news story? Is it a pure story? Oh, yeah, no, they
0: are. It's one, actually, that we talk a little bit about in Golanzo. Uh, this week, we're discussing those semi-finals and all the other exciting news, but they are a good news story because they, A, play great football, B, they tend to bring players through from their academy, which is regarded as one of the best in Europe. The curiosity about this team here is that it's one that barely features anybody who's come through that youth programme. But, um, as I say, more on that in Golazzo, where if you're not a massive Italian football nut, you may still be interested to hear our take, that's me, James Horncastle, and Gabriella Marcotti, on the man they called Mr. White Smoking Jacket, Ricky Kakar. Carl, I know you're a big fan of Kakar. Oh, yes. I
1: wrote a... uh Essay for him on, on a part of BBC series called Naughty Boys, where we simply went. Here are all these fantastic players before the Messi, Ronaldo duopoly.
0: All oh, right, naughty um, as in the naughty. Yes, yes.
1: Right. Uh, and Kaká. Uh, the easiest way I can describe him is he was six foot one, but played as if he was five foot eight. Um, so before his Achilles and, and heel injuries, he was just a athletic genius. Right. Um, one of my favourite goals is how he made uh, Gabriel Heinze and. Patrice Evra. Patrice Evra collide into each other in in a thrilling uh, Champions League semi-final.
0: Which happened this week, I don't know how many years ago, but that's one of the things we talk about in Golazzo. It's absolutely extraordinary. It's one of the great comedy defender collisions (laughs) in in world football. Uh, But yes. All right. Uh, there was cup action because I know you're wondering, Daniel, in Germany this week too. Sorry. Leipzig in the final will be taking on Bayern Munich after a very, very controversial penalty was awarded. You question most well. You mentioned people questioning Mo Salah, but the way Kingsley Coman went mm. down yeah, to I win saw that it. Punt, it was not yeah, good. Not good. Mm. Uh, in Holland, Ajax warmed up for Spurs by beating Vitesse four-two. Ziek delict and two penalties for Duzan Tadić. He's been involved in a lot of goals
2: this season.
3: <laughs> yes. I'll hand
2: over to Daniel for the song. Yeah,
3: yeah well, I, at the start of the game, I tweeted 50. And by the end, I think he was, again, at 52. Is he 52 now? I think, yes. Uh, goals, goals and assists in all competitions So this goals season. and
0: assists, 52.
3: Yes. And for those, and there were very, very many of them in the Twitter replies saying, it's a joke league. I get that argument, but he has also done it in the Champions League, at Real Madrid and at Juventus. So... A little bit of balance, right? Playing
1: as a false nine of sorts for this IX team, it is—it's proof that very often there's very rarely a bad football player at this top level, at this top one percent. If you're seeing someone on televised football two or three times a week, you're an, you're watching a one percenter. It very often is circumstance. And Dusan Tadic, I think he he delivered a comment in a recent interview saying, "I I'd never want to play in England again because all they do in England is kick you." And I spend nearly every single Monday and Sunday just in an ice bath. Whereas in Ajax, I can play the football I want to play. Right. Um, Yeah,
0: good for him. Okay. Well, he won't be playing this weekend because, of course, famously, the Dutch uh, FA have suspended the league to give Ajax extra preparation for their midweek clash with Spurs. Uh, VBL, listener VBL, hello, says, could we have some love for the Scottish Championship where all 10 teams could either be promoted or relegated and there's only two games left? Is that right, Duncan?
2: I think so. I don't oh, know. VBL, There's a playoff, is playoff. Yeah,
0: right. We yeah. believe. So. Interesting. That mm. does sound dramatic. Of course, the, the bigger news from Scottish football this week was the death of Billy McNeil, the captain of the Lisbon Lions, who passed away this midweek, and uh, obviously a great outpouring of grief from from Celtic uh, former players and, and fans. They'll be they'll be touching on, on his extraordinary contribution to that club and the game in next week's totally Scottish football show. Now, very shortly, Carl, you're going to be putting Didier Drogba in the flip-reverse-it machine, sort of a flip-flop-reverse-it this week, I, I, I like to think. First, let's get the odds on some of the weekend's matches,
4: courtesy of Paddy Power. Thank you very much, Jimbo. It's Lee Price on the line. He's from Paddy Power, but you know that. And Lee, we're going to talk about the top of the table after the Manchester derby last night. It's over to Liverpool. Um, they're probably going to beat Huddersfield, right? Are they going to get loads of goals too?
5: Yeah, if you're looking for a game to take you back to the top of the table, albeit briefly, this is the one for Liverpool. They're a monstrous 1-16 to to win, with Huddersfield 35-1 to to complete what would be one of the biggest shocks in Premier League history. As for goals... Get a load of this. It's odds on that Liverpool score at least four goals in this one, five to six. For context, that's a shorter price and therefore more likely than what we quote for Huddersfield to score just once. It's going to be a long night for Terriers after a long, long season.
4: And Burnley, as everyone knows, have a habit of beating the reigning champions. I'm not sure they're going to do that, but can they at least draw against City?
5: Yeah, they did well against Chelsea, didn't they? And City have been forced to battle recently, although battle they have. It's one to eight. Peps men win this one, and you can get seventeen to one on the Burnley victory, fifteen to two on the draw, or if you do want to bet on double chance—that's Burnley winning or drawing—it's nine to two, and that really would upset the apple cart.
4: All right, that battle for fourth place that no one really wants—what's uh, going to happen in United versus Chelsea?
5: God, neither team is shouting at me to back them, are they? It's the abysmal versus the abyss, um, and unsurprisingly, therefore, the betting couldn't be much tighter here. We make United the very slight favourites, eight to 8-5, presumably because of home advantage and not a lot else, while Chelsea are 13-8. to eight. The draw is 12-5, to five, and frankly, that's anything I could tip up here.
4: And finally, Lee Brighton. They're in a horrible run of form. If they are to avoid relegation, they've got to score. But what are the odds of them not getting anything in the back of the net for the rest of the season?
5: I was going to say harsh, but then I did watch the Tottenham game the other night and it looked like they didn't want to score there. We go just 10-1 to 1 that the Seagulls don't score again this season. But that aside, we back their defensive qualities to keep them up. They're 1-8 to eight to avoid relegation, with Cardiff
0: 9-2. You can find out those odds and more at paddypower.com. All prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's 18-plus only, begambleaware.org. And when the fun stops, stop. Time now, speaking of the fun stopping, to flip-reverse it. Carl Anker, thank you very much for charting for us an alternative course through the many different branches of time you want to take us back you want to wind the clock back to 2012?
1: Yes, the Champions League final, Chelsea, Bayern Munich versus Chelsea, Yes, which I think is one of the most influential singular games in recent European history. So, did that? Uh, Didier Drogba and his influence on that game. So Didier Drogba, one of the greatest, most clutch players in recent European history, nine goals in nine finals, uh, one of the only players to ever score in both the FA Cup and League Cup final in the same season. When the going got tough, Drogba got better. I have a very good, naughty, well, I won. I think it's very good. Naughty Boys essay on the BBC. You can find about him as oh, well. Oh, huh. um, so, in the eighty-third minute, Juan Mata's corner comes in. Frank Lampard's going for it. Frank Lampard hears a voice behind him. Didier Drogba's booming voice going mine.
0: Into what trap!
4: What about that? Chelsea's man for the bigger occasion gets the header.
1: Sends the game into extra time. Nets the winning penalty. The winning penalty, giving Chelsea their very first Champions League title right. in Munich.
2: Uh-huh. One kick of the ball
0: by Didier Drogba. Yeah, it's the greatest night in Chelsea's history. Champions of Europe at last.
1: Obviously, if you remember, Chelsea winning the Champions League eliminates Tottenham Hotspur from the Champions League the next season. Yes. So if Chelsea don't win that Champions League final, right, they don't get in Hazard. Eden Hazard, very famously, when he announced he was going to Chelsea, he goes, I'm signing for Champions League winner with no Champions League with Chelsea. And Hazard goes to the club with, with which he has a pre-contract agreement, which is Tottenham. So Spurs would have had Eden Spurs Hazard. would have had Eden Hazard. Spurs would have also still uh, had Harry Redknapp. Spurs, of course, already had an Eden Hazard. That was that lasagna that other time,
5: eh? <laughs>
3: <laughs> Sorry, back to you. Spurs would have...
1: <laughs> Spurs would have also still had Harry Redknapp after he successfully got them into the Champions League for a second time. Christ. Bayern Munich, having won a Champions League in their home stadium, very possibly feel no need to go Supernova to win it in 2013. So very, there's a very good chance that Maria Goethe stays at Borussia Dortmund.
0: Right. So if Goethe stays at Dortmund and Marco Reus as, as well, does that mean that Jurgen Klopp would stay at Dortmund too? Very possibly. You've got to bear
1: in mind with Chelsea not having a Champions League, there is no need to to keep Roberto Di Matteo on the books, right? Meaning Chelsea go off and hire a manager who is currently available and very good and knows what Chelsea is. They possibly go for Jose Mourinho early. Okay. There are multiple permutations for at least four or five European clubs if D.J. Drogba doesn't win that Champions League for Chelsea. It is... D.J. Drogba is one of the best of men. Uh, one of the greatest things he ever did has nothing to do with football in basically the act he did after helping Ivory Coast secure the World Cup. Qualify and help playing a key part in ending the civil war in the Ivory Coast. He's also one of the most influential men in European in recent European history by helping Chelsea win that Champions League final.
0: Imagine if you could go back to that kick and know everything that was hanging on it. I won fifty six pound on that Champions League final. Biggest (laughs) thing. Well,
2: yeah. Yeah. What did you spend the fifty six pounds on?
1: Food. I was a university student at the time. Food.
2: Not quite as <laughs> branching, time-wise, that, it, that little bit. What if Daniel... Carl would have yeah, been I'm one kind of <laughs> <off>. milligram lighter. All <laughs>
0: right. Uh, listener, I'm afraid that's it for this week, but we're back what,
2: Duncan? it has got a Didier Drogba stat. Oh, OK. No, I just had it... <laughs> it was there, just in case you don't have to use Yeah, it. go on, no, go on. We're here. All right. Didier Drogba, yes. the only man in Premier League history who has increased his goal total from by more than 20 goals from one season to another. So... so he went from five to twenty-nine That's between 2008-09 and 2009-10.
1: Very interesting that uh, his Premier League goal records and uh, Michael Owen's Premier League goal records are more or less a mirror image of each other. So Owen got worse,
0: Drogba got better. Right, wow, it's almost like there's only a certain number of goals around.
2: Very it's like yin so. and
0: yang, and like mm. you know, equal and opposite forces.
2: Well, there's a Chinese saying about everyone's born with a specific number of heartbeats, oh. and that you can't change it. Maybe that's the same with goals.
0: So the more, you, <laughs> the faster your heart beats, the
2: quicker you're going to... So you can use up your heartbeats quicker, but then you'll use them up. So maybe Michael Owen just used up all his goals Not early on. trained, is it? I believe I believe medical science has, has disproved <laughs> elements of it. Right, well,
0: yeah. So, uh, right, we're back on Monday. And so, I say we, you, Daniel, are going to be with us on Monday as well, aren't you? I am indeed, yeah. You'll be joined by Tom Williams and Jack Lang as we round up another weekend that'll take us further towards settling the big questions of this footballing season. I hope everyone has a, a great weekend. Many thanks to you, Daniel, for being with us today. Duncan, Carl and you, listener, we'll see you
4: on Monday. Bye for now. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddyneesmedia.com. and don't forget to check out our other football podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and everywhere else you get your audio on demand. Supporting your team can be a beautiful thing, but then come the injuries, the goal droughts and the downright disastrous defeats.